We are a group of friends bound by our appreciation for liberty and good podcasting. Free-minded thinkers from all walks of life, our values come together with one accord to discuss the common culture and news of the day, along with whatever random crap is going on in our lives. Welcome to the Union of the Unknowns. We are live and welcome to another episode of the Union of the Unknowns. With me today is my podcast mate and fellow unknown, Stella Q. Hello, Stella. Hello, Ashley. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Good. Thank you for joining us today. And we have our guest, TC of Minnesota Black Robe Regiment, back for part two. Welcome, TC. Thank you for joining us. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to intervene here. I'm getting a rumble thing. Uh, we meant to be on rumble. So rumble is um, disconnected right now, but it, it's fine. Forgive me. Sorry, I thought it was the whole recording. <laughs> I hey, I love I I love it. I love going live. <laughs> I, I it's this is why people watch live. You're gonna either get awesomeness or you're gonna get a strange mix of train wreck and awesomeness or an awesome train wreck all at once. So it's all uphill from here. <laughs> yep, it happens uh, in this technological age. How are we doing, TC? Oh, hey, I'm I'm I was enjoying the. The, the intro and the, and the banter back and forth. So I'm great. Thanks for, thanks for having me back for part two of at least two. Sure. Yeah. So today uh, we're going to have in our first episode, I wanted to have a little bit more structure to sort of get down the basics of your story. And then today I want to have a little bit more of a free flow conversation back and forth. So we want to talk about your channel, um, what you're currently up to and, you know, anything else you want to discuss, but, but also I wanted to leave plenty of space for questions back and forth, all of that good stuff. So to kick us off though, why don't you tell us what, um, what you've been up to lately concerning your channel and your podcast and, uh, the work that you've been doing. Oh gosh, lately. Um, I'm, I'm working on lining up more guests for my libertarian lowdown series. Um, libertarians are in the U S right now are uh, in a bit of a, uh, kerfuffle they're they're all out there fighting over the presidential uh nominee uh arguments that are happening and so i'm working on getting some of those on working with uh behind the scenes trying to uh to get uh michael recton walled on i don't know if you guys are familiar with who he is but he's announced for the nomination for the libertarian party so i'm working on trying to get him on and a couple of others, uh, Josh Smith, who's just south of me down in Iowa, you know, work on trying and get him. And uh, then I'm working on some interesting guests for my Monday Night Musings show. We've got a couple of topics that are, if uh, I know that you guys are aware, but I'm really working on trying to get some people to come on from the Republican side of things to talk about their frustration with um, what they see as uh, a bad faith move on the part of Matt get, uh, gets, they're very upset with him because they he did what he said he was going to do, and he saw to it that Ke Kevin McCarthy got fired, and 
as Speaker of the House. And I think, you know, Matt showed actual integrity and ethics and did what he said he was going to do and held McCarthy's feet to the fire. And when he found out that McCarthy struck up a backroom deal with Joe Biden to keep the government going and, you know, funded. And part of that backroom deal was to go ahead and pull the Ukraine money out of the, the funding bill, apparently to appease the Republicans who didn't want to keep sending money to Ukraine, but then promised the same amount of money in the future bill uh, to Biden. That's when he lost support of his Republican um, base and they did what they said they would do. And there's a lot of people that I know that I thought would be happy with that, who, who have turned out to be falling right in line with normie con Republicans and think that it's hurting the party. And I think it was a great move and I want them on to, to hash it out, even if it gets a little fiery and, um, working on bringing some people on to talk about the Israeli Palestinian, uh, kerfuffle because what I see in it is what I would hope a lot of people see is that there is something far more um, nefarious going on than, than the already terrible evil acts that Hamas has committed. And it's just saying I stand with Israel in this situation is not enough. Um, because I think there's room for condemnation on both sides. I think we can condemn the actions of Hamas. And I think that Israelis, the Israeli government action, um, turning around and killing innocent women and children and non-combatants is pretty bad. And boy, am I in trouble. Boy, do I have a whole manner. Some people mad at me. Um, well, um, I just want to chime in that I don't think there's anything um, <laughs> genuine about Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy. I think that this is theater. I don't think there's anything rebellious about Matt Gates whatsoever. And I you know, nothing that is taking place in the current government is to me genuine. And I would apply a fairly similar belief as to what's happening in the Middle East right now. I believe that the first casualty of war is the truth and that war has been declared on us for a very long time. So I am very hesitant to believe anything that I'm hearing and that means from the war propaganda atrocities that we're being told about to yep. the fact that people were able to penetrate the, quote, Iron Dome uh, in the manner on hand gliders. I am just, I'm not buying worse, worse, any of it. Worse, paragliders. paragliders. Motorized parachutes. I mean, that's <laughs> I, even worse. Either way, I'm not buying whatever they're selling. For, so, um, you for know, six and, hours. And that is just my two cents. But I certainly encourage anybody who may be hearing this to please just consider that you've been lied to on an epic scale for at the very least the last four years. So please don't believe anything that these people are trying to tell you about that. I like how you said for at least four years, and I'm over here going. End of World War II, sure. Korea. <laughs> sure. I mean, 
if we're really looking at it, it's 2000 or more years, but just if, if people, <laughs> uh, if you think that everything's been on the up and up, at least concede that you've been lied to for the last four years. So. Yeah. And um, I'd just like to uh, chime in with the reminder of uh, some of the footage that came out of Ukraine. Um, there was, I don't know, it depends how close you looked at a lot of things, but um, we tend to do that here. And uh there was just obvious things like mannequins all set up in lines in the background of photos, etc., to make make it look like there's figures in the background. But when you zoom right in, you can see they're mannequins. Or um, the and dead all the bodies other. laying under under drop cloths or in body yeah. bags where their arms would slip out and wave around. <laughs> yeah, and there was just there was some footage just going around recently of um, some people carrying, you know, like a, what was supposed to be a body on a stretcher and, you know, the sirens go off and they all just drop the stretcher and run. And, and the dude that's under the sheet of the stretcher sort of like realises, Oh, oh crap! <laughs> he gets up and runs away too. <laughs> Classic. It's a miracle we restored life <laughs> to the dead. All it took was a fear of another bombing. Lazarus in a war zone. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I no, I'm not. And Ashley, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you that it's not. Uh, you know, especially here in the U.S. with the way our politics are going, I wouldn't. I would never uh, disagree that it's definitely kabuki theater, but. Um, of all the kabuki theater that is taking place, at least the role that Matt Gates is playing is consistent. And, and so, um, if I had to, if I have to pick a dog in the fight between Matt Gates, uh, role and the role of the, the weak need milk toast, panty wasted set uh, mushy middle, I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna take Matt's role sure or not his role but i would take his side in that in that fight um what i'm enjoying about it is the interactions that it's bringing for me through social media and um trying to elicit uh and or or even you know promote people to come on and talk about it and watching them struggle to defend their position when they're finding out that maybe, just maybe, their dogged determination and, and loyalty to the centrist, the, the entirety of the centrist Republican Party is is not going to help them and could actually hurt them. And it, it's been it's been eye opening for me for a long time, but definitely been eye opening to watch people that I thought were far more liberty-minded, far more constitutionally-minded, uh, get sucked into the Speaker of the House debacle. And and all of a sudden go from being anti-war when it, you know, when it comes to Ukraine, we're talking about a lot of times the same groups of people um, who, who are now, who are really fired up about the, the House issue, also anti-war, you know, way on board with not funding Ukraine anymore, have now turned around and immediately they're beating the war drum of, of, you know, of Israel. We have to defend Israel. If it means we put more money into Israel, if it means we put troops on the ground, if it means we wipe out Iran, it, people who would have two months ago would have lambasted Lindsey Graham for saying flatten the place if he was talking about Russia 
saying we have no business getting involved are now talking about like flatten Gaza. Oh yeah. And let's take out Iran. And to me, it's, it's cognitive dissonance, but it, it also reeks of just a, a lack of personal awareness and it's really dangerous. And I think it's ultimately it's philosophically and politically deadly. And sure. unfortunately the, the people who are going to be hurting the most are going to be, you know, the people like the three of us, you know, cause this doesn't just affect the U S you know, it affects places like Australia. It affects Great Britain. It affects New Zealand. It affects Germany. You know, it, it affects everyone. And if this goes the way I foresee it going, it's going to have a <laughs> far reaching, broad, broad ramifications for the world. Uh, yeah, I I don't really understand how people can see everything that we've been through. Like, it's it's very bizarre to me to see people on the right. A lot of them know the truth about, uh, you know, the lockdowns and Operation Work Speed and Ukraine and all that stuff. And it's it's like literal programming. It's like as soon as you bring um, the the country that shall not be named into the picture, that's it. They are they are activated like their programming is now activated and that is all that they can see and everything else is totally out the window like no critical thinking here no questioning the narrative the narrative that they spent the last how many eight years or uh, or more since trump originally was running 2015 whatever that is you know identifying fake news the same corporate press that they've been calling fake news this whole time now all of a sudden you can believe everything they say it's it's very um, it it sucks to see people that you were on the same page with on a lot of things all of a sudden have such a blind spot for mainstream news. I I don't understand it. It's a visceral reaction for them too, is what I'm seeing. It's very visceral. There, you know, you can't. I mean, I had words with a friend yesterday, uh, who like, just nope. Too bad. So sad. Don't, don't, don't provoke the country you live next to if you don't want your kids to die. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's like you, like, you know, I'm not going to just sit here and listen to you say something like that and not call you out for the heartlessness that, that, that just exposes it. And it was, like, you know, nothing, nowhere, nowhere near, you know, like coming to like physical blows over and I'm not going to do something like that. But I was like, dude, don't, you're being a dirtbag right now. I mean, I could sit here and I could show you the video of Wesley Clark giving the list of seven countries, the, a list of seven countries that were set for regime, regime change. All set or six of the seven have all been taken down by the U.S. since Wesley Clark named them publicly. And the last one is Iran. And now mm -hmm. all of a sudden we're sitting here. I show you that video, tell you what I, what I believe with, based on a preponderance of, of America's track record or the track record of America and, and her allies tell you what I believe is happening, that this is all being orchestrated to, to destroy bricks, to destabilize bricks at the very least to, to, cause regime change, regime change in Iran, and you'll still stare, sit there and go, nope, nope, that's not, nope, 
nope, nope. Israel, Israel's right. We, nope. You know, and then just like, how, how in the world can you know all the lies that they've told us? And like you said, Ash, be so on board with not trusting anything the mainstream media says, not trusting anything coming out of government in the United States, coming from the state, and then turn around and think, oh, no. And and even, oh, well, they beheaded babies. Has anybody, and I don't want to see it if somebody has seen it, but, but no one. They've got video after video after video of people being shot at the music festival, of people being kidnapped from their kidnapped from their homes, of other you know parts of this terrible ter terroristic act. But one person puts out a narrative that infants and children were being beheaded, and that catches like wildfire, and nobody's been able to produce the evidence. The Israeli Defense Forces and the Israeli government have walked that back and have tried to distance themselves from it. Yet. Just like the babies being ripped out of incubators in Kuwait for the first Gulf War, mm -hmm. the American public are eating it up. They're 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 eating it up, and it's and if it were true, I might I might be able to, you know say you know what maybe a nuke might be a good idea, <laughs> you know it, because it pulls at a certain amount of your of your emotion. To say, yeah, that's some things you don't do. But, right. but even to fall for it twice. You know? Correct. Here's the thing is that even if that did happen, and of course, I pray that it didn't happen. Even if it did, you don't know who did it. It could be Mossad. It could be CIA and they could be blaming Hamas. We know that Israel created Hamas. So even if it did happen... How do you know who did it? You don't. And you, nope. because we the have going to show up at your house now <laughs> and gaslit and that there just is no way to know. Um, it's crazy. One thing though, to bring it back to the work that you've been doing on your podcast. That is today, part of my work, Ash. What are you yes. talking about? <laughs> no, I know, but I have a tie in. Uh, the tie in is that I appreciate that you're willing to have conversations with people in the Libertarian Party, with people in the Republican Party, and challenge them in a friendly discussion type of way on this type of stuff. And I feel like you, you know, you did that in your line of work when you were a police officer or when you were kind of doing your man on the street stuff. That's, uh, and that's not easy <clears throat> to put yourself in that position to just go out there and have these discussions with people. Um, because it could potentially have conflict around it, but you're there trying to have a an actual conversation about it, and I think that's really good. Well, you know, I appreciate that, and you know, and for those who didn't catch the the first ep uh, the first of my episodes with you two lovely ladies, um, the the work that I did, for, you know, for the sheriff's office as a as a deputy, I did inside of a detention center, and so I, my my role as a deputy really was. Uh, and, I, and I didn't do it perfectly all the time, but was was to have conversations in difficult situations with people to t literally, literally talk them off the ledge. I mean, we hear that phrase all the time. 
I mean, the people who are, you know, attempting to hang themselves, attempting suicide, people who were, you know, getting really bad news from the outside, family member died, you know, and they're not going to be able to go to the funeral, things like that. Or someone who's going to kill somebody, you know, I'm, we're going to, you know, I'm going to kill this deputy in here, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill this, my cellmate and things like that. You, you have to learn how to talk to people in those, in those moments, in those situations. And, uh, and it's not something that everybody's good at and it's not something that everybody can learn. And I, I was just, you know, blessed or gifted or granted the ability to be able to have those conversations. And, and I did work to use it to my advantage, both in my former career and also then when I started doing my man on the street stuff. And even now, if I can get somebody like I hate one of my hate watchers on some of my cop videos, because I, you know, if anybody wants to go check it out, I do put out shorts uh, on my YouTube channel where uh, if I get a chance and I catch an officer doing something that they shouldn't be doing just because they're an officer, I will confront them on it. I just had one a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago now, uh, a private business had a clearly marked no parking zone and state patrol officer trooper pulls right into that no parking zone, parks his vehicle and runs inside. And I go over and I'm shooting video of him parked there and talking about why does he get to park in this no parking zone? And as I'm doing my little video, the trooper comes out and I'm, I looked at it and I go, Hey Sarge, pretty sure that says no parking, doesn't it? And his response was, well, uh, I didn't want to take a spot from the other people, even though there were five, six, seven other spots. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. He goes, and all I was doing was using the bathroom. So, I mean, I don't know if the guy was either so disconnected that he couldn't think fast enough to come up with, oh, I was checking on something they had a problem with, you know, he could have lied to me. I was still called him out for it. But no, he flat out just said, tried to make himself look like the good guy. Oh, I'm, I'm sparing other people from having to walk. And then, you know, then to turn around and go, well, I was just going to the bathroom. Well, that just makes it worse, bro. And <laughs> he, he, uh, he absolutely, how do, how do I want to say it? He, he absolutely did not want to continue the conversation. Uh, you, you should, you could play it. I bet we could, you should, you could, the, the reaction that he gave was hilarious because he just got in his car and wanted to, or in his squad and wanted to walk away. But a guy behind me overheard me challenging him and freaked out on me. He like literally started freaking out on me. And I turned, I was going into the, into the, the gas station to the convenience store and I turned my camera off. And when I turned around to come back in line, he was already in line. He, he looked at me from across the store and yelled in front of people. I, I ought to kick your ass. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I actually can bring that up. Uh, do you remember what was the title of the short? Uh, you, you know, you asked me, Ask me a question about something that I create my own content. You'd think I know off the top of my head, right? Um, <laughs> That's like when I forget my own lyrics from my own songs. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So that's basically sort of what you're kind of, I mean, the part of what you're doing now is just basically calling calling out police or is this sort of more of a um, it's an ancillary circumstantial. Uh, it's kind of an ancillary when this when the situation presents itself, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, okay. State Trooper Sergeant Busted, lame excuse, part one. <laughs> and then you could play part two, which is right after it, because that's where I interact with the guy a little bit. It, okay, just to give me, people an idea of what I do. Yeah, let me get this pulled up. The problem with shorts... Oh, there we go. Okay. Is by the time right. you get it up, it's already playing. And yeah, so we may have a little bit of a loop here. Just bear with me in that regard. Um, and the other thing I want to make sure that we talk about, and I thought Stella would be interested in this particularly, was your Twitter space that you did with delete laws and high impact flicks. So after we roll this video, maybe we can talk about that as well. Brian. Yeah, absolutely. That's Brian. Yeah, Brian. Brian. Yeah. yeah, he's he's been at it for a while. He's pretty good, that dude. Okay, let me try this. I may have to adjust my sound. Bear with me. We're doing it live. <laughs> this isn't a legal issue, but the reality is, is this says no parking. And there's a parking spot there, and there's a parking spot there, and there are parking spots there. But this state trooper this post-certified licensed individual in the state of minnesota can park wherever he wants to park i can't park here he could run me off for parking here but he can park here i can't park here but he can park here it's interesting it says no parking right there doesn't it <laughs> I don't know, Sarge. That says no parking. Okay. Is that okay <laughs> for you, though? Sarge? No, I realize. Isn't it funny? No. Well, and this one that you're putting up right there, the one that you just put up, that was from two days prior, and it was a city vehicle doing the same thing. <laughs> but the... Uh... Uh, did or, we finish the whole first video? That yeah, that that's only like you know forty nine fifty five seconds something like okay, that. Okay, perfect. So part two is part two is when the is uh, part two is interesting because that's where the guy comes at and you can hear him behind me go. How oh, it's he's, he says he could park he could park there because he's protecting and serving. So Himself. I'm not. I'm not seeing part two directly after. The one that's showing up right after that one is public servants are exempt. Is that well um, the here here's what here's what I'll do since we've got since we've got the ability. Ashley, I will put it in the private chat for you. Perfect. And I will check on that sound to see if I can bring that up a little bit as well, Stella. Here we go. Yes, I didn't want to play audio engineer and step on your toes. <laughs> um, well, I can hear it very loudly, so I also I can't it. tell if you couldn't hear it. Yeah, um, we could hear I, it. It's just a little bit low, that's all. Yeah, that's and all right. I don't see a way that I can bring up the volume on that. Okay, don't worry uh, about it then. 
here. It only is giving me like the mute option. Now there may be some other way that I can do it, but I'm not seeing it at the moment. Okay. That's all, all right. So um, do you get hassled very much, TC, because of these things that you do? Do you get picked on as far as, you know, pulled over on the road, that sort of thing? Targeted? No, I'm waiting. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm waiting. I'm pretty okay. sure it's going to, pretty sure it's going to come, but I have dash cams for my vehicle now. So. Right. Yeah. Good. It's a bit of a deterrent, is it? Well, it may not be a deterrent, but it certainly will change, change the tone of the stop. Right. Um, if they do, if they are starting to come, you know, target me, but we'll see. It could, it could be, a, I might be assuming I'm more important than I actually am. All right. Let's roll this one real quick. It says no parking right there, doesn't it? I don't know, Sarge. That says no parking. Okay. Is that okay for you, though? Sarge? Is that all right? Is that, that why is that okay for you? Serves <laughs> and road pirates is what he does. Dude, you have no idea who you're talking to. Why? Why is he? Why is he above the law? He's not above the law. He is the law. No, he's not. He's not the law. He's a public servant. You're a fucking douchebag. Oh, it's interesting. He is the law. It's like Fauci is the science. And, and, yeah. that, ladies and, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a bootlicker. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, better, better, better to lick them than have them stamping on your head, I suppose. <laughs> Um, if, well, not really. That boot's coming. That boot's coming down on somebody on your neck at some point, no matter what you do. So, true enough. Uh, my, better to not. Better to not put your head down there where it's easier for him to stomp on it. So, but uh, yeah, he went. Like I said, he went on to uh, threaten me inside, and I confronted him when I went back outside and told him, like, dude, you didn't have to get yourself involved. I wasn't being disrespectful or rude. I was not. I'm sure people probably saw it as harassment, but I mean, I see it as harassment when I, you know, if you get pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt, like where's the, who's the victim mm. when you're not wearing, when you're not wearing a seatbelt, who's the victim? There is no victim. Correct. There's, yeah. there, there's no victim there. You know, speeding, unless you're driving recklessly, who's the victim in speeding? You know, it, I, I, I use this all the time with people. The Autobahn in many places still has no enforceable speed limit. And the average mile per hour, not kilometers per hour, the average miles per hour on the Autobahn in the areas where it does not have a speed limit is 86.7 miles per hour. And per capita, Germany has fewer injuries and fewer fatalities on their Autobahn than we have on tightly controlled, speed regulated, uh, freeways and interstates. Mm, that's interesting, so, interesting, isn't it? So when you put the power into the hands of the people, they uh, manage quite well. Isn't that weird? Mm, strange, strange, isn't it? But uh, yeah, <laughs> so experiment. I, so I had a. So, but I'm an equal opportunity uh, person. If I see public servants doing well, I'll let them know. And so last Saturday. Uh, well, today is the 14th of October, so the 7th of October of 2023, uh, keep this evergreen, um, 
I was running some errands in the same city and happened to see a Rochester Fire Department ladder truck parked in a Sam's Club parking lot at the back of the lot, taking up the justifiable amount of space because those are big trucks. I probably took up six or seven or, or so spaces minimum. And I went over and was going to do a short little video saying, hey, this is what public servants who recognize that when they're not responding to an emergency, they don't deserve to take advantage. And as I was getting ready to start shooting the video, the crew came back and I talked to them for a few minutes and told them, thanks, I really appreciate that. And so I shot that video uh, as they were leaving and pulling away. I, I did a little video and I then put that up on my YouTube channel and sent that video link to the uh, the chief of the fire department and tell, told them, hey, thank you, You're, you, you guys are upright guys. And uh, tell them thanks for me. And I got a thank you back, for, a thank you back from him right away on Monday morning saying, hey, thanks, really appreciate it. And then immediately following that, I went and cop watched as two Rochester Police Department officers were arresting a guy and the lady who was with the guy that was getting arrested got out and was freaking out on me and the cop shut her down and told her he can shoot all the video he wants. He's not doing anything wrong. So I put that up and said, hey, here, here. I put that whole video up and I said, hey, here's two cops who stood up to an upset Karen and stood up for my First Amendment liberties. And I went up and gave him a fist bump afterwards and said, hey, thanks for doing that. I don't, it doesn't happen very often. So I really appreciate that you guys did the right thing. Good on you. And so I'm, I'm an equal opportunity guy. I don't like I don't see a person in uniform or see a public servant immediately think that there's some sort of uh, skanky dirt bag that should get screamed at. Um, so, you know, it's but, you know, still to answer your question earlier. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure there will be retribution of some at some point there. Uh, no, especially I've been doing a lot of, uh, catching a lot of state patrol guys, um, speeding. There's one in particular who likes to pull people over in one area and without fail, I will see him probably once every three weeks or so with somebody pulled over on the side of the freeway. And within three miles, he will have finished his stop and has caught up with all the traffic that passed him three miles earlier which tells you how fast he's driving. And I'll, you know, use the dash cam and I put that up and boy, do people come out of the woodwork to freak out on me. You don't know why he's driving that fast. He's probably responding to a call. He has training to drive like that. Maybe he's chasing a speeder and it's just, you know, don't you have anything better to do with your life? Get a job, you know? Oh, and my favorite is you're nothing but a commie Marxist libtard. And I'm like, You've clearly not watched my channel <laughs> if you think I'm a Marxist, you know, and it's so. Yeah, go and, yeah, go and dye your hair blue and shut up. <laughs> That's maybe I should. Maybe I should dye my hair blue just to really mess with people. Oh, well, that that seals the deal for me. When I see the blue hair, <laughs> disregard opinion. <laughs> I saw now, a few at the polling booth it. yesterday. Now I'm going to do it, actually, just to make you talk to me more often. <laughs> oh, 
goodness. All right. So, well, why don't you tell us about the um, the Twitter space that you did and kind of how that ended up coming about? I actually right. was able to catch some of that. I wasn't on for the whole thing, um, but I did hear a decent chunk of that. It was accidental, actually. I I wasn't even technically supposed to be part of it. I just saw that Delete Laws, Chili, and, and then Brian from High Impact Flicks, um, he, his YouTube channel is uh, Here's the Deal. I saw that they were on there and I have a lot of respect for both of them. Um, they're two totally different personalities. Um, if you haven't checked out delete laws on YouTube, you should, um, <laughs> Chili will, he's got two, he's, he's got two personas. Uh, when he's in educational mode, just talking to you mode, uh, he's much more, uh, professorial, if you will. Um, when he's dealing with cops on the street, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> It, oh yeah, but, but normally it's justified. It, it just very justified because they they're just not used to it. They cannot stand when somebody stands up to them. And Chili's really good at that. Uh, so Chili's got kind of these two personas, and and they're great. And Brian is great because he's just Chili's a deep thinker too, but Brian is just very didactic and very uh, philosophical and thoughtful. And he will catch things in videos and he'll, he'll review auditor videos. He'll review dash cam videos, body cam videos. Um, he reviews news stories, uh, pretty much everything. And it's not just cops, but it's quite often it's cops. And I think the reason for that is cops are the enforcement arm of politics. That's it. It's, um, that's what the police officers with police is the root, you know, police policy. So they're really, you know, police officers are, the enforcement wing of policy makers. And so you're going to have far more interactions with cops than you're going to have with your local mayor or your, you know, senator or your, you know, city council, whoever it might be. And he does a great job breaking that stuff down. And so um, I saw that they were having a conversation in a Twitter space and I chimed in and was able to have a really good conversation mm -hmm. with, with Chile. Um, and we talked a little bit about my, much of what we talked about last time about my journey to the eye-opening nature of the work that I did and how it impacted me and, you know, how, you know, literally physically painful it was to have that cognitive dissonance in my head of recognizing that there was a lot of tyranny taking place right in front of my very eyes and still wanting to be part of that. Uh, not part of the tyranny, but part of that career field, thinking that I was going to be the guy that was going to, you know, make a difference. And it, it was hard to lose a career. You know, it was, it's been financially very problematic uh, yeah. for me, but um, I feel better now uh, than I ever did. And Chili and I had a great conversation with about that. And now he's chimed in a few times on some of my posts and, um, it also opened the door for me to be able to have detective Matt Thornton on, and he's another one. He's an, an actual active cop. He's still in the, in the business, still in that career field, calling out bad cops and his department backs him up and it's amazing. And so, um, I've done, done it, you know, had, uh, Matt Thornton on, and we're actually talking about having a regular uh, show on my channel where we go through body cam footage of 
fleece interactions and do live reacts to it. And uh, I, I would just, I would compel people out there. And I know with your audience, it's probably not much of a nudge to get them to pay attention and see these things. But for maybe somebody who's just kind of coming into this, kind of new to this, um, take, take your blue glasses off and you know take your public servants or heroes glasses off and just look at them through the lens of how would you be treated if you were doing these things in the name of your employer how would how would you be treated because yeah, a lot of the things that they do and the way they talk to people how they treat people um you wouldn't get away with in your job correct it's abuse <laughs> it's yeah. abusive it's abusive power um, the other thing about that space that was cool is that you had an opportunity to educate Chili on Terrence Yiki. He did not seem to be familiar with uh, that is your profile <laughs> picture on Twitter. He thought yeah. that TC was, quote, <laughs> still wearing the uniform. Uh, understandable because he didn't know. And then TC would yeah. uh, explain to him, no, this is Terrence Yiki, who is a hero. Um, and I share yeah. that sentiment as well. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, he was like, well, I see in your profile picture that you still wear the uniform. Are you trying to, you know, are you reclaiming? Are you doing that to reclaim it? Or, and I'm like, oh no, that's Terrence Yeeke. So it was, <laughs> it was a, it was a pretty uh, interesting conversation, uh, that portion of it, because he, yeah, he had no idea. And for those of you who haven't, uh, I would tell you one of the best places to go to learn about Terrence Yeeke is uh, No Way Jose. He's he talks about with passion. He just he can tell you so much about Terrence Yeah, and yeah, we actually had Jose on the show, and um, we talked about that very subject. I mean, we we talked about a broad OKC, and uh, didn't it wasn't a full Terrence Yiki episode, but we did discuss that, and I was very happy about that. And I did it took me to go down uh, at least some of the rabbit hole of that entire story. It's fascinating. I, I have to I have to throw this out here. I know I, just from having interacted with Stella the last time um, and having listened to your guys' content, I know that there's somewhere deep inside Stella, there's like a deep burning question. I know that she wants to like ask me something heavy hitting and poignant. I just, cause I, I know it's in there somewhere. Um, you're not um, black, are you? <laughs> Like your profile picture? No, no, no. no. Um, so, <laughs> I'm also not like six foot nine. I, yeah. I swear to God, that guy was a monster. Yeah, right. Um, I was. I think you might be referring to. Um, I was curious about your name. Is that what we're leading to yeah. here? Okay. Yes, I'm very curious about where your name came from, TC. Please tell. <laughs> well, yeah, it's. Um, I, I I had to I had to create the segue for you, Stella, because I. Much appreciated. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Isn't it like early, early in the morning for you? It's uh, 10 to 9. So, yeah, that, that is early on a Sunday morning. Yes. Have you had your coffee yet? I've been up since 6. Um, hmm. I have. Yes. Thank okay. you. All right. <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> I'm drinking my coffee, literally my own coffee right now. Oh. Your, own, your own brand of coffee. We need an unknown coffee brand. Nice. Nice. But how's, how is anybody going to know that it's us, Stella? I know. <laughs> the unknown coffee. The unknown it's coffee. unknown. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, that was lame, so, but 
I made myself laugh. And thank you for bringing it up, Stella. <laughs> mom, mom jokes. Uh, All right, the name. The, so the uh, name. Minnesota Black Robe Regiment. Right. So because I live in Minnesota and uh, the historicity of the Black Robe Regiment actually goes back to the, uh, the American War for Independence, I'm, I'm person by person, I am struggling to get people to stop calling it the American Revolution because it was not a revolution. It was a war, war for independence. Um, it doesn't even come close to meeting the, the, the definition of what a revolution is. So, um, oh, okay. While we're there, what is the definition of a revolution as opposed to a, a rebellion or an uprising or so, whatever word you want So the difference between like, say a, a revolution and war for independence is, uh, it, it may sound like I'm like, um, plucking at strings, you know, and like nitpicking, if you will. But normally what a revolution is, is a drive to actually overthrow an existing government mm -hmm. and totally replace it with something completely different. And the... Well, that's, a, that's a coup, yeah? Yeah, of sorts. Yeah, like sometimes so a coup does not have to result in a change in governance. It just a coup will result in a change of leadership. Mm-hmm. So in the case of like French, or in, in case of French, I need more of my own coffee. Um, oh, howdy, neighbor. Um, Scotsky. Yeah, you should uh, find me on YouTube and, uh, and, and or wherever you want, and then uh, we connect more. That'd be awesome. I like meeting people that are closer than, than North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, Scott is in our unknowns Discord as well, so you oh, two cool. can can connect there as well. And thanks for tuning in, Scott. I appreciate yeah, you, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the the difference was is that the 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 colonies didn't want to overthrow Great Britain. They didn't want. They had no desire to take over. You know the the British Empire. They just wanted to be free. They they just. They just wanted to throw off the reins of King George and live their life the way they were because they were not getting any representation. They were nothing more than, you know, kind of what we've become again, tax slaves for uh, Great Britain. And it was after pleading and pleading and pleading and pleading with Parliament and pleading with King George to just... just we, we don't... They didn't even want to be independent for the longest time. They just wanted their representation and to be left alone it was only after being rejected that they rose up and said no we're going to throw off these chains of chains of bondage what sparked that however was uh, what's referred to as the first great awakening which was a very broad uh reformed and when i mean reformed i don't mean like criminal reform um a reformed christian uh, revival that was taking place in in North America, uh, especially um, in the, on the eastern seaboard and in, in, in the northeast. Um, a preacher by the name of and theologian by the name of George Whitfield had traveled from uh, England to the U.S. and had begun preaching all up and down the seaboard, and was causing a stir. In churches, uh, the people were coming out of uh, vastly different uh, theological perspectives, um, non-believers, 
and it, it's hard to imagine, but, you know, even more of your Rousseauian kind of atheistic types at the time and even um, Jeffersonian type deists, uh, people were being, you know, saved through the preaching of, of guys like George Whitfield. And Whitfield had a, a deep impact on uh, Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards ultimately ended up preaching a sermon that's pretty well known in Christian circles, both inside, you know, the Calvinistic reformed type churches and out and outside of them. Uh, and that's that is known as sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he when he preached that sermon in public, he actually was petrified and was reading it just kind of like verbatim off of his manuscript. And people were so terrified by what they heard that they that's reported that like hundreds of people passed out from the fear of what they had been, how they had been living. And that sparked a growth and resurgence in deep philosophically centered and rooted Christian thought in the U.S. or in the colonies. And that influenced a massive amount of churches, um, Methodists and Lutherans. And at the time, it wasn't, there was no Missouri Center Lutheran or Evangelical Lutheran Church of America or anything like that. It was just kind of like, here's your Lutherans. And um, so a lot of the high church types and um, even Reformed Baptists, Calvinistic Baptists really started to catch fire. And they were the catalyst behind the push to be emancipated from Great Britain. And they were preaching sermons as pastors. And this is, you know, kind of ties into how we ended our conversation last time. Those churches were actively preaching independence. One way or another, they were actively preaching independence. And the word got back to Great Britain, to Parliament in particular, that these Presbyterians, especially Presbyterians, were, were were stirring up Christians to to throw off the chains of government, and Parliament got really got in the ear of King George and told him, "Look, you got to get this under control because at the time, in the Church of England, the Anglicans were they had a tight rein on what kind of church you could have if you could have you know whether or not you could have any kind of church or congregation that wasn't Anglican uh, in Great Britain." And they were like, you guys got, you got to get this under control, George. You, you got to get this under control. And when the decision was finally made by the, by the core group of founding fathers that, no, oh, here it is. We're going to, we're going to write this declaration of independence. Uh, there were many uh, Presbyterian and Lutheran uh, and Baptist pastors that were involved in that. And when the war actually started, uh, it was pastors and their congregation. So like when you go to Lexington, the battle of Lexington and Concord, um, that was Christian men responding to uh, the aggression of the British. And I cannot remember for the life of me off the top of my head, the guy, the pastor's name. But during that, that first, one of those first battles, the, they were running out of wadding for their muskets. And, I, and for those of you that don't know, um, you pour your powder down and then you push wadding down in there to, to, to compress the powder. And then you put your musket ball in 
in front of or on top of that wadding and then you would pull the trigger or, or however you want to say it light the light the fuse um, they were flint locks so normally it was just uh, pulling the trigger and the flint would go down and spark and, and discharge the, the rifle or the musket and when they were running low on wadding this pastor co-opted some bystanders and they ran back with a wagon and took all their hymnals from the church and brought them out and started tearing pages out of their hymnals and giving them to the soldiers on the front lines in this gun gun battle and you've probably heard the phrase at some point when you're somebody's really going at it in a fight give them watts or give them watts for that's actually from that fight that pastor said give them watts boys and what that was a reference to was isaac watts who was a per prolific Christian hymn writer of that day and prior to that. And he, he was saying, give him Watts. Here's a Christian pastor telling his people, his congregants to shoot and kill. And I'm not advocating this today. What I'm just, what, that's, this is how far the churches have fallen, by the way, I'm all fired up now. Um, give them Watts. He was shooting them with, the hymnal. I'm like, he's like, give them Watts. And that's what they were doing. And, and that's, and that's where it came. And the, when the, the declaration went out and the war started, pastor after pastor, after pastor took a commission, uh, as an officer, union and cavalry officers in the, in the colonial army. And, um, one of them was, uh, he's actually a story is on the back. His name is Peter Mullenberg. He was a, a Lutheran pastor, stood in his congregation that day, and he preached for every season. You know, and a lot of people know it as a song from the 60s. Um, there's a time to, you know, time to plant, plant, time to sow, or a time to, time to weep, and all of that. He preached from that passage and, and in Ecclesiastes. And then he said, and there's a time for war. And he got out from behind his pulpit and he dropped his black robe and underneath it was the uniform of a colonial uh, officer. And he grabbed his musket and he marched out. And within 30 minutes or so, over a hundred men from his congregation. And when I say men, I'm talking ages 14, 15 years old and up marched out and joined him and joined in the fight. And it's well reported that anywhere where there was a strong reformed Calvinistic Christian presence in the colonial army, the German or the Germans, well, the Hessians who were the German uh, mercenaries that the British used as well. But uh, the, the British regulars despised them, hated them because they fought with fervor and tenacity and they were loyal to the fight and they did not give up. And they started to refer to them as the damned black robe regiments. It had not, it had nothing to do with people call me. Oh, so you're, so you, you're on the side of the courts. I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had one guy, what are you a J Jesuit? And I'm like, no, he goes, so what's the black robe thing for? I'm like, it, 
I, I explain it in, in so many of my videos. I'm like, <laughs> and, but it's, <laughs> but it, yeah, I've, I've been accused of everything and, and, and that's what it is, is, you know, like I don't represent my faith all that well, to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm a little salty from time to time, but I've, a lot of that has come from me realizing that a lot of what I thought of as Christianity, uh, was really just polite social graces. Oh yes. Wrapped in, in modern American or what I refer to as Western Christian culture, churchianity. Uh, wrapped in churchianity and Western Christian culture, that there's certain words you don't use, and there's a certain way you don't you you don't do or don't talk to people, and and it's just it's ridiculous. And what what's happened is is that Christians have become nice, and people are like, well, what's wrong with being nice? Well, when you understand the etymology of the word nice, nice means to be basically useless and pretty. And compliant. Yeah, it really. And and it it was a word that, I don't know if anybody's familiar, but with the, in Great Britain especially, but even in colonial or uh, continental Europe, there was this kind of this era where even men would wear a lot of makeup and they and they would refer to these people as fops, foppish. Well, they were nice because they were men, but they were useless. They were worthless. They had they they are often from the aristocracy, or desired to be part of the aristocracy. So they went to great heirs to be very polite and pleasant, and that's you know. So they people would go, oh well, isn't he nice, or isn't that nice? It's very acceptable. Yes, and Christians have a desire to be nice. We want to be nice, and I'm like, I don't want to be useless. I don't want to. I don't want to be presentable in your eyes. And we saw that here in the States, especially, and I saw this playing out when I launched the channel, churches were caving in. They caved in, absolutely were caving in. And I said, no, screw that. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give them Watts. I'm going to give them hell. Love yes. that. There's, and, not and many I, in, there's not many instances in the Bible um, where you could say, oh, they were just being nice. So yes, that's uh, very true. Like people uh, tell me about, that all the time. It's about doing works, um, not being nice and sugarcoating everything for everybody because that just keeps them under an illusion. You're, oh, Stella, you're so right. And, you know, I don't know what, you know, you you two and other, the other parts of the, the union of the unknowns are like and even your other viewers. Uh, so I don't uh, – so I want to be careful with – with what I'm saying here, but I, I get that a lot. You need to be more like Jesus. And I'm like, oh, okay, you want to talk? You want to be more like Jesus. Okay, let's talk about being like Jesus. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so you tell me, how would Jesus be? Well, Jesus loved everybody, and he, you know, he forgave everyone, and he healed people, and he fed them when they were hungry. And I'm like, sure. I said, do you remember the temple? The temple was full of wicked money changers who were put there by the priests. They, they didn't just show up and take over. The priests brought them in there because it was a racket. And Jesus showed up. And it wasn't like he just walked in and tried to talk people out. He, he didn't, there was no, there was no convincing he, before he entered that temple, he leaned down, grabbed a handful of leather straps and made a scourge. We call it a whip, but it wasn't a whip. It wasn't Indy. He wasn't out there, Indiana Jones and the crap out of it, 
with this bullwhip and just making a loud snapping noise. He reached down, grabbed a handful of leather straps and tied rocks and pieces of pottery and broken pots and, and nails. And he made a scourge. And people go, yeah, he used that to drive the animals out. No, Jesus wasn't mad at the animals. And the animals didn't go, hey, can I, can I be part of this? Do you want to take me down to the temple and sell me? No, he drove the money changers out of the temple. Human beings. He used a scourge on human beings. Tell me how freaking nice that was. And he flipped over tables. And I'm, folks, we're not talking about your cheap plastic poly laminate tables that you got little card tables that you take to your tailgates <laughs> we're, we're talking he he was flipping over tables that were low to the ground folks they didn't have these tables high up on the ground they were low resting on the ground made out of heavy 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 wood he had a scourge in one hand beating people and flipping their tables over you want me to be nice like jesus yeah, I'll be that kind of nice. I'll be that. I'll be that kind of nice. But you won't, which is why your churches got shut down in 2020 and again in 2021. And they'll get shut down again for whatever other reason they come up with. And so, and, and Jesus didn't do that once. He cleansed the temple twice because they didn't get it the first time. He called, he called the overly religious people vipers. He, he told them that they were empty tombs full of or whitewashed, whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Try saying that in your church today. Stand up in your church today and tell your pastor who told you, look, we don't really want to do it. But the government told us we had to shut down. And next time your pastor tells you that we have to shut down and do all of our gatherings from, you know, remotely from, you know, on YouTube or Zoom or whatever way they're doing it, stand up as they're announcing that and say, you're a whitewashed tomb full of dead man's bone and the poison of asps is under your lips. Does that sound nice? That's because that's, that's, not, that's not nice, but there aren't a lot of Christians that are willing to do it. And uh, there's that's a lot of I, flaky Christians out there. They're Christian once a week. Yeah. basically which is more than i've been doing it lately but i can't find any place that'll take me <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, it needs to be um, in a building yeah that's certainly food for thought honestly to think about because as i try to go through my programming as i try to break my programming um you know i i'm always trying to reevaluate things that i thought were how you do things right common knowledge and um that's going to be food for thought for me. Maybe that's part of it, you know? Um, maybe a little little too much politeness, a little too much niceness. I don't know. I think I personally need to find a balance for myself, but I, I think that's food for thought. That's a very um, interesting point. I don't, I, and, and I don't want anybody here saying that every one of your conversations with that person should, should immediately be, um, oh, you don't agree with me? Want to fight? <laughs> like, you know, it's, that's, that's not necessarily the case, but I, 
No, but, but we I need think... more fervor and less going along to get along sort of thing. Yeah. Um, there's been too much of that and that's partly why we're in this situation to start with. So, it, yeah, it's time for people to really bloody stand up and stop being convenient um, because that is that is one of the biggest killers really is the convenience of, um, you know, like the church has probably looked forward and thought, uh, we don't want to lose our church, you know, we've got this thing going on, we've established this, we've worked hard, you know, been here for a few years and got our relationships. We don't want to risk that. So, you know, now is the time. We are, well, I think it's fairly obvious we're in the last days. Um, we need a different attitude. Yeah, we need to get a bit of a rocket under our butts You know, in that sense. There's there's so much about what you were saying that, you know, really, you know, resonates. And I think if people are really starting to, you know, really willing to look, you know, open their eyes, you know, to make the biblical reference to have the scales fall off, you know, which is kind of, you know, Paul's mm -hmm. experience on the road to Damascus. Uh, he was out there doing everything that he thought he was doing the right thing. I, I mean, I'm not going to mm -hmm. fault Paul, Saul of Tarsus. Saul. I'm not going to I'm not going to fault Saul of Tarsus, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, you know, educated Just following orders. The, you know, following the greatest Pharisee that had ever lived in, in by a lot of estimations was Gamaliel, educated by this, this guy. He thought he was doing God's work. He oversaw the first Christian martyr's death. He was there and held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen to death. He, he, over, he stirred them up to that and oversaw it. He thought he was doing God's work and then had his road to Damascus experience where he was blinded and, and then sent on to Damascus to, to be healed by a Christian. And changed and was exactly the same way. And yet, you know, He's the one who wrote in, in Romans chapter 13, in the opening passages, in the opening verses of Romans chapter 13, to honor the governor or the government because God, they're God's ministers of justice appointed to do, to reward good and punish evil. And so many Christians today, churches, lord that over their flock. Obey the government, obey the government, obey the government, obey the government, obey the government. Because Paul said it right here, and he was dealing with Rome. But what he said was, ministers of God to reward good and to punish evildoers. Well, for one, in the United States especially, our government is not a, the president. It's the Constitution. And then it's us. And if we're going to do what Paul says in Romans 13 and what Peter echoes in First uh, Peter chapter 2, then we're going to honor the Constitution. And we are going to demand that these public servants reward good and punish evil. And when they're doing the opposite, we are not obligated to obey them or to be uh, servile to them. We are to call them out. And that's what the American War for Independence was about. Those pastors recognized it because they were deep thinkers. And that's why King George, when he realized he was getting his ass handed to him by a bunch of upstart hayseed colonials, he said, I've had it with this goddamned Presbyterian war. 
That was his words. King George's words. I've had it with this goddamned Presbyterian war. Where are those goddamned Presbyterians today? Where are they? They're too that busy is... sitting on their 501c3 status, not wanting to rock the boat so they don't have to pay taxes on their tithing. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right, TC, that is a good place to leave it for oh, now. Um, oh, food for thought. You lose you, Ash? Lose me? No, no, no. You're right. We're listening. You're, okay. No, you're back. You're back. You're back. Okay. Um, yeah, so we will end it there for today. So I just wanted to have you let people know where they can find you and how they can support you before we wrap it up. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Robe Regiment. You can find me on YouTube, Minnesota Black Robe Regiment. Um, I'm on Rumble. I'm not using there again. I'm not using Rumble as much, but I do think I got a conversation coming up here pretty soon with a guy who was actually in Washington, D.C. on the, the date in question of January 2021, who also happens to uh, be roommates with Ashley Babbitt's mother when she's living in uh, Washington, D.C. So that conversation may be exclusive to Rumble when I have him on and if I can get his, uh, Ashley's mother on. Um, but check out my content on both places. Um, I'm going to be launching an audio version of all of my content as it comes out here pretty soon. And if you're so inclined and you find my story or my uh, situation compelling, I would love for you to find me on Subscribestar. Um, I'm going to be working on putting some Subscribestar exclusive content up there uh, and because I could use the extra income. And I'm not going to lie. I, Ashley and I were joking about this on a phone call yesterday. It'd be nice if I could get paid more to talk, but I do it for free exactly. anyway. So it's hard to get people to pay me to do what I do. I'm willing to do for free. Yeah. Yes. Well, we are going to put all the links for so, subscribe to yeah, our YouTube those, channel. Those are the places Twitter. you can find me. And obviously uh, here on Union of the No One's now more often. For sure. Uh, we're going to have all of your links available as well in our show notes. And of course, if anyone has any questions on how to get in touch with you, they can reach out, let us know. They can find you in our Discord as well. So I think that is it. I'm going to wrap up today for the unknown. Stella, thank you for joining us. I don't know if it's on my... Thank you for having me. And thanks to TC for uh, wearing your um, battle sandals on behalf of everyone. <laughs> All righty. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Stella. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Union of the Unknowns. You can find new episodes every week on all your favorite podcasting networks. 